Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Enterprise Linux Security, or probably something that we could call um, security theater if that wasn't already coined by Steve Gibson of Security Now, because I kind of feel like today is going to be a security theater kind of topic, to use his verbiage. Um, but anyway, how you doing, Zhao? I'm fine, Jay. As usual, it's a pleasure to be here. And this is going to be one of those episodes where we have that big moment. I told you so. And yeah, we really kind of hit this one on the head with our predictions. Yes, we totally did. And and we're talking about lapsus. I, I jokingly yeah. off camera said lapsus because they have like a dollar sign at the end because they couldn't <laughs> combine or consolidate the S. But, you know, we'll let that go or will we? Because um, there's a lot of bad things happening here and that's not the worst. <laughs> anyway, um, the non-cleverly named criminal hacking group that was all over the news that we talked about in a previous episode that even tried to demand that NVIDIA open source their drivers <laughs> like that's ever going to happen. And now there's some new things coming out of that. Yeah, of this has been an incredibly productive week. Um, actually, a couple of weeks for lapses. And it started really well, and then it just went out the drain at the end. So how did this happen? Um, we talked about the NVIDIA breach, how they got access to a laptop that was somehow still um, authenticated to their internal network and could access their files and all that, and they started uh, downloading lots of data. Not not happy with that, not satisfied with that, they decided to go after Okta. Okta is an authentication provider that's used by lots of different websites and services. Mm -hmm. And again, they managed to compromise something that gave them access to their internal systems. And we actually have a pretty good idea of what they did, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. Um, but let's just go over an overview of the, the timeline here. Okay. And a couple of days after that, they decided to go after Microsoft. So they got into Microsoft and they started downloading the code for Bing and the code for Windows and for basically anything that they could get their hands on. And then a couple of days after that, the police got their hands on them. And that was a pretty interesting timeline for them. Yep. Anyway, not wanting to spoil the end yet, because we'll get to that, of course. Um, apparently, they were, I don't know if they were pioneers in this, and it's a bit um, weird to call them that. But they were even posting uh, ads, like job ads on their Telegram group while they were asking, where they were asking for people that were willing to turn over their credentials for uh, companies in return for payment. So they were essentially um, hiring people to do their job for them. So, wow. um, <laughs> and apparently this is how they got in through NVIDIA. They had access to that laptop because they had the credentials for that laptop for the user. And it wasn't uh, some type of uh, exploit or hack or anything weird that they did. They just paid the owner. Easy as that. Oh, this that's, is social that's engineering at its best. And on the Microsoft case, apparently, they paid a third party that had access to Microsoft systems. It was not directly a Microsoft employee, from what I could gather. But it was somebody else. And they offered the bribe. And the person took it and gave them access. They were basically asking for um, any desk access or just remote desktop or just a SIM client. In this case, I believe it was a SIM client. They actually bragged about it. It was so silly. They actually wow. bragged about being about hacking Microsoft while they were downloading the code. And they bragged about that on their public Telegram group. And Microsoft 
because they were keeping an eye on them. Saw that, went through their logs, found the connection, and cut the connection midway. So they actually said that they couldn't download all the data because Microsoft had cut the download while they were doing it and bragging about it. Yeah, so, you, do, you do not make this up. No, and, and here we are thinking, you, you know, the picture in my head, you know, because I originally, I think I pretty much always think of like a 13-year-old hacker, which is, you know, not always true, obviously, and that's a stereotype that I'm not proud of, but um, that picture came into my head. I'm like, oh, gosh, this person is just going to be hauled off to juvenile detention or something, and then, um, but it actually ended up, and we'll get to that being a teenager, not quite 13, though, but but when this first started, you know, that other picture comes in my head, you know, like like the movie Hackers uh, from, I think it was 1995. That's like a cult favorite. They're trying to hack the Gibson, you know, like they're trying to go after yeah. this server that's like the, um, you know, the prized server to, to hack into. But instead of like all that craziness or using exploits or vulnerabilities, like you said, um, it's just a classic bribing attempt. That's just so not technical. Yeah, it's not technical and it kind of takes away the mystery, doesn't it? Yeah. It's just social engineering and it's not even a very complex one. They were actually just asking people if they were willing to part with their credentials for money. That was it. Wow. Um, That's are you willing cool. to let us use your credentials to do something? We're, we're offering, I believe it was $28,000. Yep. Some people and took them up. You know, and that's a lot of money. I, I'm pretty sure we mentioned, wasn't it the previous episode or one before that, something about um, enjoy that money while you have it. <laughs> exactly. That was the, I told you so moment that uh, yep. the prediction that we made. Um, enjoy the, the money that you're going to get because it's not going to last a long time. And it really did not last a long time. Um, these guys started doing their most high profile stuff uh, when they breached the Vodafone, which I mentioned before in Portugal, when they breached the uh, stuff in Brazil, when they breached NVIDIA, when they breached Microsoft and Okta, for example. Those are the high-profile targets that they went after. There were some others before that. Um, but yeah, this kind of takes away all the mystery. It's not like they found some magic exploits that they were using. It's not like they went after some vulnerability testing and they were just lurking on the network, looking for holes to spot to get in and all that. They just paid people and that's it. Wow. And these are, I mean, these targets, I mean, it, it goes without saying they're big targets and Okta, I've, I actually have experience using it. I don't use it now, but I, I worked with a company that did and I set it up for them. And, you know, of course the obvious question comes up with everyone I've ever helped up with Okta with, um, yeah, this is the single sign-on thing is great, but what if the single sign-on gets, you know, they, they get, you know, get leaked or something and someone logs in, they have access to, I'm not going to get into that right now, but, um, you know, setting up Okta, I'm very familiar with it. And I thought I read in the news story for this, that there's like 1500 companies or, or around there that Okta is servicing. And I actually thought there'd be a lot more, but I guess that's still a lot of companies actually. It's just, um, I mean, Okta, I mean, that's like one of those companies we hope, you know, isn't going to get taken over because if they are, that's a security company and you're trying to take over the place that has the keys to the castle. That's kind of like the Holy Grail right there. And now it's happened. And yeah, yeah. yeah. lots of high profile companies are using them. Um, Cloudflare, for example, uses Okta and Cloudflare is responsible for the majority of the internet traffic that goes around. They cache it, they have their endpoints uh, everywhere. 
and they use that for authentication for their own employees and for their own third-party providers and all that. It all goes through Okta. So compromising that means that they could access lots of different things on lots of different companies. It was actually a pretty good, good target selection for them. They were basically hitting for something that could give them access to lots of other things. Oh, that yeah, of course, that makes sense because they have the keys to the castle. So exactly. um, they, that's of course, that's what they want. Microsoft, I mean, they're trying to tell NVIDIA to open source their drivers. So what are they trying to do? Well, I wonder what the end game was with Microsoft. Like, we're going to open source it for you or something? I have no idea. But obviously, they didn't get to because, um, you know, you shouldn't conduct internet crime or any crime at all ever but if you are that person and you're not taking our advice don't brag about it but um, obviously yeah. don't do it at all but then it's just like really like how did you not think that that wasn't going to like tip people off because at the end of the day the authorities just need metadata every little piece of metadata they can gather sites you log into things you're doing eventually starts to paint a picture that can help narrow down who the person is my understanding is, you know, they have this individual in custody was, what, 16, I think, and... Um, 17, I believe. Oh, And it's wow. not just one. They actually arrested seven people uh, with aged 16 to 21 um, in London, uh, in the city of Oxford, or town of Oxford. I don't know the actual correct pronunciation for that, uh, the actual wording they use. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, uh, the, um, the London city police came out with this information that they had arrested seven people, and they... Uh, are, supposedly arrested the, the suspected leader of Lapsus, which is the 17-year-old individual. Um, there are some other aspects of that that we are going to keep private because he's a minor and he's just right. being charged. He's not actually been convicted of it. It can be a mistake, obviously. Um, but right. yeah, the, doing something like this and bragging out in the open that you're screwing up this type of companies, it's a sure way to get yourself in jail. Um, if they had done this and kept it quiet, if they had not been so public in announcing that they were, oh, we're preaching this, we're so good, we're doing all this, it might it would have made the police job harder. And yeah, this is a criminal pro tip here. Don't brag about the stuff that you're stealing. It will help out the other the other guys. Um, it would have made the, the police job harder. And they wouldn't have left so many evidence against themselves because they're putting it out in the open, basically. Um, the police. Again, they were using Telegram. They were expecting some privacy. They were expecting encryption, but they were doing it in the, op in the open. So basically, the police went after metadata, where the connections were coming from, where the IPs were being used. And they used VPNs, but apparently they could correlate that to connections coming from this individual's house at that moment in time. And some other stuff, but still, bragging about this was the the fall for these guys. They should not have done that. They should not yeah. have done any of that, but that in particular was what caused them to be caught. And it, I wish this lesson didn't have to be learned for them the hard way, um, but apparently with some people, they have to learn the hard way, which means jail or whatever happens, uh, assuming that person is convicted or whatever. Um, it's a developing story, so we really don't know. Um, being a minor, we're not going to know the details. That's not going to be released anyway, but um, we really don't know. I mean, this is still developing as we talk about this. And one of the things I find so interesting is that sometimes common sense, the absence of it, right? Uh, common sense, don't perform internet crime, 
or conduct in that in any way, unless you want jail time. If that's what you want, then you want to be in jail, then there you go. That's a great way to do it. But the more I learn about, you know, because I'm always studying, and I never feel like I'm an expert because I feel like expert means you've learned everything there is to learn. And I'm always learning more about networking and how uh, packets traverse networks. And the more I learn about this, the more I realize that it's technically almost impossible to have perfect privacy for anything because there's going to be metadata around things that you're looking up. Even if something is secure, there could be DNS lookups. There could be VPNs that say they don't log, but they actually do. We've, we've seen stories like that before. Um, one packet just falling through a VPN um, kill switch that just that one packet provides enough traceability. Um, it is like astronomical to try to and think about everything that could go wrong to get you caught, but to like brag about it. Now that's a whole new level. I mean, that's just like putting a target on your shirt and walking around with it. Especially when the targets are of this magnitude, you don't go ahead and brag about being hacking Microsoft or Nvidia and all that and expect to be left alone. It doesn't happen in any possible scenario. That's never going to end up well for you. If you no. go after the big five, any of the big five, it will never go the way you think it's going to go. And this is no. not not just, I'm not claiming that they're better than anybody, the, those types of companies or anything else. It's just the, the, the amount of basically infinite resources that they're going to throw up your end to try to catch you. You have no way of matching that. It's not no. possible to do that. No. Of course. Targeting smaller businesses, it's not its not something you should be doing either, but still, the amount of resources that you're going to be facing and the, the competition that's on the other end trying to catch you, it's not even on the same order of magnitude. It, it doesn't correlate well anyway. No, it, it doesn't. And I think the important, like one thing to keep in mind here, like when we talk about this a lot, a lot of these really big companies make really stupid security decisions every now and then. That happens. It's in the news all the time. I'm not going to name any company here because you know everybody makes mistakes. But even the worst companies, the biggest companies that have the worst mindset or the most lax security, there's one thing they all do well. They have a lot of money. They can afford lawyers. They can afford... Um, they know how to engage with law enforcement, You know how, who to call, what jurisdiction to go to. They might even have contacts there. It's not like, oh, I'll just call 911. That's what we do in the States and just talk to a police officer. No, they, they have it, they have money. They have an in. They have lawyers. They have they know how to navigate this system because they, they spend more money sometimes on lawyers than they do um, with their SecOps team. So the whole going after these types of things, I mean, you can't possibly think it's, that it's, end well. it's a bit more than that even. These type of companies have such a large presence on the internet that they can monitor a very large portion of the overall traffic on the internet. They can monitor endpoints, they can monitor ISP endpoint connections to other ISPs, they can monitor their own services, and they're servicing billions of users and connections every moment. Yeah. They are going to be able to correlate the connection that's accessing their internal file servers to almost your front door. Okay? <laughs> yep. They have that's visibility so to that level of the network. If you're connected to their systems, they, they're just not looking at you because they don't have a webcam inside of your house yet. But they will know what house you're in. They will know where the connection is coming from with that level of detail. And it's mm -hmm. scary, but 
their presence is large enough that they have this type of visibility. Obviously, during an event like this, where they are being publicized as being a, having an attack going on against them, they will have all their resources at their disposal, working overtime, trying to find that endpoint. And they will find it. And they will pass along that information to law enforcement. And not only that, I mean, the in, like imagine hypothetically an internal employee. You know, they're all trying to find where it's coming from. And then that feeling, right? You're the employee that just pinned it down. You're going to let your supervisor know that you found the individual or, or whatever the location. Um, I think you might pretty much expect a bonus or something, or at least some major bragging rights. Cause I mean, who wouldn't want to be the person at a company that, that eliminates a security threat or cuts it off. But at the same time, um, it's, Kind of like a typical crime story, if you've ever seen a movie about it, where someone or some people, they can they commit a crime and they're just talked about all over the place. And then all of a sudden it just comes tumbling down because at the end of the day, they make a mistake, something happens, and then their crime spree is over. And that appears yeah. to be the case. Um, yeah, it's, it's just one of these developing stories. It's like 23 hours ago, the article I'm looking at right now on my screen, yeah, 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 less yeah. than 24 hours this ago. This is from ago. yesterday we are recording. The, the news that they were caught is from late yesterday or something like that. Yep. Um, there is another interesting aspect to this story. They mm -hmm. were not, not just targeting these types of companies. They were also um, looking for um, employees in telecoms to provide them with access to SIM swapping. SIM swapping is an attack where you convince someone on a telecom operator that you changed your mobile phone card, your SIM card, and you want your phone number to be moved to the new one. Say somebody stole your phone and you lost your SIM card and now you have a new SIM card, but you want to get your old phone number back because all your contacts have that old number and all that. So you contact your telecom provider, you try to convince them of that. And if the person on the other end of the line complies with you, and changes your number to that, you have access to your multi-factor authentication. You will receive your SIM, your text messages, right. you will receive your phone calls. And this was part of the, the attack that they used. This is where they actually tried to use both social engineering in trying to convince the, the phone operators and the frontline uh, help desk on those telecom sites to give them basically to confirm their identities for other attacks that they were doing, but also where they were trying to recruit people. On the ad for that, they were actually looking for people that was willing to do SIM swapping once or twice per week was what they were asking for. Oh my gosh. And people could name the price that they want for that service. Wow, uh, that's just, um, it's just one of those things, right? I mean, like yeah. you were saying earlier, the picture in our heads are, you know, it might be different when we're first starting to talk about this. Like, how did they get in? How did they get a hold of that laptop? How did they, Get into the network. Did they? Uh, what which CVE chain do they use here to get this done? And then, um, you know, that that doesn't seem, based on what we're reading, to be the case at all. It's just very low tech, and well, yeah, the rest is developing history. Yeah. Um, of course, you can go ahead and you can say that okay, these companies should never allow a single individual to have this level of access to all of the systems or to as many systems. In one of the messages that the Lapsus guy posted, they mentioned that okay, um, we are inside of uh, I believe this was Octa. We are inside of Octa's network and we can prove it. And they showed some screenshots even from Slack. And they said, okay, if you don't believe that we're in and that this is not a security breach, why come, how come a, a help desk level account has access to 8,000 uh, Slack channels, for example? 
And that's an absolutely valid point. No one should. Right. Yeah, that is um, separation of privileges. Yeah. Yeah, Security 101, the thing that, you know, and and I think that just kind of proves my point. You know, we have, you know, a a bad security decision, but, you know, (laughs) the other end, uh, the operations or directors, whatever, I mean, every country calls their um, operations team different job titles, but the same thing. Um, that part's down. They might have some security issues, and I really wish they'd get that fixed. Then again, we wouldn't really have much to talk about if everyone had perfect security. <laughs> but um, they still they they were found, uh, and that's what happened, despite you know all the bad practices. And and yeah, absolutely. Like how many thousands did you say for that Slack? Like uh, eight thousand Slack channels. Wow. Eight thousand Slack channels. That's Ooh. a lot. If you ever use Slack, I mean. I use it daily and I don't use more than, I don't know, 10 or 12 channels or something like that. And even that, I find it weird to manage. But still, uh, no no account should have access to that. Even admin accounts should be segregated so that they never, for more than security reasons, even to protect you from making mistakes that affects all of the channels, if you have segregated accounts and you only have ownership of a few, those are the ones that you can mess up if you make a mistake. If you have access right. to all of them and you delete them by mistake, all of them, delete all the channels that I have access to, all of them are gone. If you don't right. have an account with access to all of that, even it helps even in that regard. It's not just for the security aspect. It should never be like that. No. But um, yeah, and moving on from the actual level of access that they have, the police investigation here, it's also pretty interesting. Apparently, they had this guy under surveillance for over a year now, because this is not the first hacking group that he's been part of. This is not even the second, but I digress. That's beyond the point. So apparently, they had this guy flagged for over a year. And for over a year, they've managed to track and correlate their online activities with that actual person. So basically, they were right there next to him, spotting whatever he was doing. And that part, one of two things can happen. Either that is not correct, uh, correct assertion, assertion from the police. They did not know who it was until they arrested him. Or they did, and they let him go ahead with the attacks. And I'm sure Microsoft lawyers and NVIDIA lawyers are going to have a field day with the police if that's the case, because mm-hmm. both NVIDIA and Microsoft were breached last week. And that if that could have been prevented, I'm sure their lawyers are looking at the police and thinking about the, the payment that they're going to get back. Yeah, I actually, when I was reading the article um, and doing a little bit of research for the show started, I I had to read that twice. I'm like, wait, what? You, you were watching them commit crimes and letting them do damage. That's fine. You're going to get them later. You know, just let them do what they're going to do. Just watch them. Why? What, I mean... I just there has I have to be missing something here. I really do because I just can't understand law enforcement's and maybe it's because I'm not in law enforcement to where I can't understand this. But just to kind of let the crimes go on, um, no, <laughs> don't. Sure, you have to build a case. You have to gather evidences. But if you were already watching what he was doing and this was not the first attack, then you already had evidence of other attacks. Why well, let him continue? If you could exactly. have built him before and prevent this from continuing you will have some explaining to do as well. If this situation could have been prevented, the amount of damages that has been incurred, it's substantial. 
It is just intellectual property that has been stolen and divulged publicly. It's a lot of money. There's a lot of value there. And these are the companies that will have the lawyers to get that back. And they yeah. will go after the police. Mm -hmm. I think so too. I, and um, depending on the jurisdiction, um, I, and you know, again, I'm not an expert in law enforcement. The way that I understand it is that getting a subpoena to seize information and kind of go down the chain can take a long time. Um, and in that time, they can probably commit a few more crimes. But there usually, as far as I know, is a way to get an emergency approval from a judge. Like, there's some stuff going on right now. I know there's yeah. a due process, but we really do need to get permission. Uh, we law enforcement people, we need permission to do something right now because this is a crime that's happening right now. And in that case, I've read stories where, you know, a judge will just sign that. Yep, I agree that you do um, have a reason to need to investigate this. Uh, we will have a court case on this. It will be investigated properly. But right now, um, you can you have permission to do X, Y, and Z or whatever. Um, not just let it go for a year because that, you know, in, in that situation, they're probably... That might even explain their overconfidence because it's like, yeah, a whole year has passed or however long. And yeah. if that's true, like you said, it, it, they may, the police may not have had an in like they say they have. But um, the, the hackers are thinking, um, yeah, we've been getting away with this for a year. So clearly we're better and they're not able to find us. And then their confidence is, you know, revving up the longer they go without getting caught. To where you know they're making careless mistakes and letting people on Telegram know that they're inside a company. Yeah, and sure, the police has another side whenever they make this type of information public and they arrest people. There's not just actually stopping the crime; they actually have to, I don't know, make some type of effort in prevention and just showing other people, okay, you shouldn't do this because we will cut, you, we will catch you. And we've been on them for a year or so. So if you think you're very smart and doing this under the radar, we are on you as well. So this is also to scare other hackers into not doing this type of, of, type right. of things. And I, and I understand that. There is also the, the problem of jurisdiction and this being an international group and affecting uh, companies in lots of different countries. And that's a jurisdictional nightmare everywhere. But still, it's a very long time. And they've been after very high profile targets in that time. They attacked the Brazilian Ministry of Health during the pandemic. That's a very high target. That's uh, something that shouldn't have happened. And they bragged about it. And at that moment, when they upped the, the ante like that, they should have been caught right then. If the police knew who they was, who the guys were and where they were located, they should have just went ahead and proceeded with the, the arrest. I mean, this had to be stopped at some moment. Because right. if not, it just... Why was it now then? Is it because they attacked Microsoft? Is it because they attacked Okta or NVIDIA? And they had more pull with the with law enforcement and the Brazilian government, for example. Uh, I mean, either way, there is some more explanation that should have should have been made, and the police really has to to explain a bit more what happened in this specific case because a lot of things are not yet fully explained. Yeah, we're not just gonna have to keep watching the story and just see how it develops. Uh, it's it's like I just need to go make some popcorn real quick. Uh, so you know, excuse me, I'll make some popcorn, and I'll just continue to hit refresh on all the news sites and just see what comes out and just entertain myself for the whole day. Which um, you know, I'm not trying to make light of this because it you know it's horrible that this is happening. Um, it is entertaining, but at the same time, it's unnerving because it's you know really bad things are happening and. Um, you know, obviously people are working overtime to try to, you know, fix the problems, companies, reputations are on the line. 
um, which, you know, the argument whether their reputation was an issue might or it might not be an issue could be another discussion altogether. But at the end of the day, um, it's a very serious thing. And um, we'll know more probably every day for the next week, I'm assuming at this point. Agree with those companies or not, their intellectual property is valuable. If for nobody else, it's valuable for them. Um, having NVIDIA code leaked out like this, having Microsoft code leaked out like this, sure, it can be entertaining for whoever is watching from the outside, but if you run those companies, that's your value that's getting leaked. And yeah. that's what makes your company different from others. So, yeah, protecting that, that's part of the IT team's job. They shouldn't that information should never leave the premises if it should if there is no good reason for that and yeah lots of people are involved in this but <laughs> the internet being what the internet is uh, i just saw a, a meme come up i don't know a couple of hours before before we started recording where somebody was making an article interviewing Linus Torvald about uh, uh, the lapses group attacking the the linux kernel and coming uh, coming public with the kernel code I found that pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, Torvalds confirming the the attack. That's yeah, I can confirm that the source code is in the public domain. It is accessible, and people are able to download the whole thing right now. Yeah. Um, darn it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that that I mean that being said, it it's you know the way I look at it. Obviously, I feel like everything should be open source. That's the way to go. And we've talked many times that just being open source by itself doesn't make you bulletproof, doesn't even give you anything other than you're open source. But there's some additional benefits with that. But at the, but also, you know, companies do what they do. It's their company, their policy, their decision to make whether they open source something or not. Um, you know, leaving ethics out of it completely. Um, and for someone to just break in and take things or demand that the open source drivers or whatever it is um, they're trying to do, um, there's just no possible scenario that justifies that, no matter how much we want things to be open source, no matter how much we may not like the way that a business does business. Illegal is illegal. Bad is bad. Um, they had no right to access that, and they did. So they're going to find out the hard way exactly why they shouldn't have done that. Yeah, and your friend of your friend Tom Lawrence made a good a good point as well on this. Um, this is not just a group of hackers doing this for fun. Asking people to submit their credentials for your use, for your malicious use, and offering to pay for them—that's criminal intent, right? And that just makes it more serious. And they were doing that openly. They didn't just approach a specific person on a shady alley somewhere and try to get their credentials. They were doing it out in the internet, asking for whoever wanted to do that to step up and contact them, and they would pay for that. That's criminal intent right there. This is yep. not just for fun and games. All it takes is just somebody from law enforcement, like um, an investigator, to pretend to be a buyer, actually buy it, verify that it works and bust them for all we know um i mean that's just asking like i said earlier it's like painting a target symbol right on your t-shirt walking around because essentially you know that's what's going to happen yeah wow. and from the the enterprise security angle of this you cannot prevent your users from doing something silly like that from selling their credentials what you can do is segregate uh, the access like we already mentioned 
making sure that people don't have access to more than they actually have to. And have to here is more important than need to, because if they need something else that they don't have access to, they will ask for that. Don't just grant them because they will eventually need it. Just when they do, ask them to contact your IT team and your IT team will open that specific access at that moment, not before. Right. And whenever it's no longer used, cut the access. Don't just leave it lying there for some, someone else to come along. Because, and the Okta case is specifically interesting in this regard. When you compromise a, a centralized identity system like that, when you compromise single sign-on, you have access to all the, the systems where that account has access to. So it should never be more than what is actually necessary at the moment. Anything extra, you're just offering it for free for these guys. Yep. Um, so some other lessons, because I think that's a good angle um, that from the enterprise security angle. Um, one lesson is that, you know, don't think that this won't happen to you, right? Um, we, we love our coworkers if we work at a company. Um, you know, I'm the only employee, so I love myself, but that's another story altogether. Um, but, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, unfortunately, things happen. I, um, I'll be careful how I explain this scenario because I don't want to give the company away. But I, um, a lot, quite a long time ago, worked at this company. And, um, you know, I come in for work as I do every day. And um, a couple of my coworkers are being let out of the building in handcuffs. And I will, and because they were giving access, inside access to someone else on the outside. And um, I'll tell you, like of all the employees that company had, I would never have thought those individuals would be the ones to be in jail. It's always, you know, it's never who you think it's going to be. And, you know, I, I love to think the best of everyone. Um, but at the same time, you do have to understand that you need to have protections and policies in place that are clear, boundaries are defined, separation of access. We don't say these things to fill a book and sell a book. Although, yeah, we may, you know, I write books, but the, <laughs> the fact is <laughs> we say these things because it's true. There's a reason why we're telling everyone to do these things, to um, not have 8,000 accounts that's managed by one person that maintains Slack, not to have one person that has the keys to every single thing. If And also uh, user auditing is so easy and so often to miss that when you have, let's just say somebody who's promoted or they have an internal job change and then... Um, they still have the access that their previous position needed, plus the access that they need for their new one. And then as a person, you know, their career grows and they move from position to position. Next thing you know, they have like a bunch of group memberships on their profile that they don't need. And everyone knows that they need to go in and, you know, audit these things, but they often, you know, eh, I'll get to it next week, maybe next month or something. And that never happens. Um, there's a reason why we tell you tell everyone these things. If if everyone did a really good job with security, we would have a harder time trying to find things to talk about on this podcast. Yeah. And another aspect that's very important, it's also user education. You should tell your users and you should educate them and let them know, okay, this is the type of risks and legal challenges that you'll face if you offer your credentials. This is the liability that you get yourself into when you're sharing your account with somebody else. And just look, because this story is not going to end here. The, the people that no. sold their accesses to these guys, they will be put to trial as well. They will be called up 
in front of the in front of a judge and they will have to explain themselves and they will not get away easily with this because mm -hmm. they're going to be made an example but anyway on your company you should tell your users that their credentials they're very important it's not just for access to the systems the intellectual property inside of a company that's very important if you store user data that's very important if you store I don't know, specific access to other systems, that's very important. That's the type of things that your company lives and dies on. If that gets out, then your company has no no value, basically, and it will probably bring the company under. But educate your users in a way that you make them realize that they should be very careful with their accesses and where they log in to your systems from, how they do that login from, how they should use always a VPN, a properly configured VPN, how they should not connect from random PCs anywhere on internet cafe or a public space, for example. But do let them know that they are responsible for their own credentials and their misuse of those credentials. It's also their responsibility. Right. And make them sign something that they understand this and they have read yeah. it and actually tell them, read it. Don't just like, you know, skim it and sign at the bottom, actually read it, understand mm -hmm. the, um, you know, what you're taking on by accepting these credentials and the responsibilities and, and, and everything like that. Um, sometimes it, you might think it goes without saying, but it, it really doesn't, um, if you no, don't it really make it clear, it's not clear. It really doesn't go without saying it. This should be explicit from day one. It should be part of your onboarding process when you join a new company these are the things that you need to be careful and this is the result of not being careful with it or actually providing this to third parties. Um, make that a habit of, I don't know, there are a lot of training that you can do with your employees, with your users. You should have, I don't know, yearly events where you explain the new policies that are in place, the new systems that have been brought up, how they can access them and all that. Make this a part of that training. Make the the responsibility that they need to have with their access tokens or access credentials or whatever, a part of that training. And properly explain that and tell them that the company depends on that information not leaking. Exactly. And and I'll use uh, an example of doing it right, in my opinion, when it comes to training. I, I, I'm not at liberty to say the name of this company either, but um, it was a client for a company that I was working with for uh, managed services, and we were managing their services. And um, you know, some of the coworkers would complain because it's like every year they have, you know, when working with this particular client, they have to um, take a security training course with that um, company. They made their own, which is great, and they change it every year. So when you you have to recertify, like all their internal employees had to take this training, and in pretty much you have to set out a day for it because it's it's that long, and. Um, it expires in one year, their internal employees, no matter what, no extensions, their access is completely cut off. If they haven't watched that or, or gone through that course, answered all the questions. And again, they change it every year, but not to be outdone, any outside third party that's helping them out, not their employees. I mean, their employees, yes, but third party consultants also have to take the exact same training course and they are not even allowed to do or even so much as look at anything until they've done this. And then like some of the coworkers would say, oh gosh, this is so tedious. I have to go through this again. You know, and it, like I did this last year and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? This is great. This is awesome. Like I will happily go through this security class because 
um, you know, they need to be like totally bragged about how much they're really drilling this into everyone's heads, what they not or what they're not supposed to be doing, what all the rules are like, you, you know, all that at the, at the end of that. And that's doing it right. Like it might seem overly rigid, but you know what? There's no such thing. Be rigid um, as much as you can be because you're protecting your company from the reputation just completely blowing up and just going away and you don't want to be the laughing stock of the whole new IT news industry because you left the front door open or one of your yeah. employees did that would be bad absolutely and yeah at the end of the day you don't want to have disgruntled employees either right if you're underpaying your staff if you're i don't know making them work overtime and all that they will not be very happy and they might be more susceptible to this type of uh, offers you don't want that either as a company, but still mm -hmm. the, make it clear to the employees that this is a responsibility. They accept the conditions of working there. This is part of those conditions. You need to keep these credentials safe. Yep. If you use multi-factor authentication, um, remember that multi-factor authentication with a cell phone is not as secure as it was made out to be at the start. Um, SIM swapping is a oh. sync, and uh, people are working on ways to actually copy SIM cards uh, at a distance. Um, don't rely, if you can, if you have an alternative, you should rely on other alternatives like, uh, I don't know, physical tokens, like we mentioned before on the podcast. Um, yep. Authentication, uh, biometrics, all that. Um, don't rely on phone authentication as a very secure method. It's probably, after passwords, it's probably the least secure one. Yep, I have, I have total total agreement as always, and you know that that's a great point. I mean, people put a lot of focus on their phone. I, I have I have two factor. I have, the thing comes up on my phone. I have to do the thing. Like, good for you. <laughs> that kind of makes it a little bit harder, obviously. But uh, like you're saying, there you know, there's there's people that spend all day every day out there looking at workarounds for everything that you think is making you safe. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I believe we've went on for very long about lapses and the story yeah. will not end here. We will hear no. more about this on the coming days. As we mentioned before, we were discussing it the day after the, the arrest was made public. So yeah, I expect to have more information on this on the coming days. Yep. Yep. And uh, right here, we will cover that and get you guys updated when we have more to share. Yep. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening and or watching. We appreciate it. And we'll see you again in the next one. Until the next one, everybody.